Hello there, everybody, and welcome again to Saints Radio. Hoping that everybody is well today and blessed and thriving under the covering of the precious blood of Jesus. We had some some unusual uh, issues with our website today, but I want to thank Ruby and um, Brother Brother Burke for intervening and correcting the problem. Ruby had to reach out to Mark. I don't know whether he was at at um, uh, Folsom Prison or or uh, Shawshank or I don't know where he was today, but. Obviously, uh, he was able to emerge from lockdown and fix his site. So we thank him for that. We bless him. I am flying solo today. Monica flew in late last night from from North Carolina, where the soil is really rich. And um, she had some issues to attend to this morning that we both understood needed to be handled. So... Uh, we'll miss her, but you'll just have to tolerate me today. <clears throat> we are uh, we're we're in a uh, kind of like uh, what uh, Tale of Two Cities said. These are the best of times, and in some ways, very challenging times. It says the worst of times, but I don't think it's the worst of times. I think the worst of times are yet to come upon the earth, but we will dwell in the best of times. And um, I, I'm believing that God is going to use his saints and is using his saints at this particular moment in the kingdom to do exploits for him. And uh, a lot of our exploits, in fact, all of them are based in intercession. However, a lot of what we can do right now is totally and fully in in regard to our intercession. So it's not just the election that's coming up in a little over, well, two weeks. Is that two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Wow. It's not just the election coming up, but it's the, the entire fabric of society right now. If you think that the election... Uh, is going to solve anything? Well, it's an important factor, definitely. But we we see the the march of the demonic across the world, and we see the fingerprints and the um, the footprints of darkness on our on our country. And um, the election is not going to chase that away. So we need to recognize that we're in this world and not of it. We are, we are servants of the Father. Our kingdom is not of this world. It's, um, it's a battle of light versus darkness. And as we have said for many years, you read in the book of Revelation and in Daniel, we find that it's the saints of the Most High who are truly functioning as the frontline troops of the kingdom in the days that are ahead of us. And so in some ways we are being configured for that in this new season. In other ways we are 
serving through the way that we are interceding. And in other words, we are we're being trained for what is what is soon to, to be presented before us. And so we need to be uh, we need to be resilient and dedicated to the task. I was listening early this morning to some snippets from one of the most recent Rush Limbaugh programs and most of you are aware that he was diagnosed with lung cancer and uh, his most recent test showed that uh, instead of the, the illness being pushed back it, it had made some some gains and this must have been very disconcerting for him to hear and he he said during these these snippets that I listened to that he recognized that it's uh, it's really a death sentence for him and then he he really said some wise things he said all of us uh, on this earth are here for a limited time but when you get a prognosis like he's received you recognize that for you the handwriting on the wall is very evident and um, it just it it it's hearing that really caused me to think about a number of things uh, one of them is that we need to as saints be prepared for the way that God wants to use us according to his choosing in the means of bringing healing and freedom to people. Um, I, and I think that God, in, in some ways, according to his wisdom, has been preserving us this, through this whole season of pandemic. The covering of the blood of Jesus has been so wonderfully upon us. We thank God for that. But I also believe that, excuse me, I also believe that God, God has been reserving the promise that he gave us regarding um, the miracles and the wonders that are going to be open for all to see. He's been preserving that because with all of the things that we're doing for the Father right now, and it's an honor to do that. I don't mean that in a presumptive way. For all the ways, I better be, maybe I should say, um, for all the ways that we're serving our Father nowadays, we have to recognize that some amazing miracles would take us into a different frame in this world and the onrush of notoriety and people from all angles coming would most likely disrupt the necessary things that God is doing in and through us right now. And there will be a time where God says, okay, it's, it's, it's time. And that's up to him when that is. I want it to be yesterday from a natural standpoint. I'd like to be able to go to Mr. Limbaugh and, or even call him or do whatever the Spirit would say to do and proclaim life to him and see this enemy attack 
vanquished. What a testimony that would be, but but mostly what a what a freeing point it would be for that man. Maybe God will do that. I don't know. I'm not God. But I'm I heard him say that and he said every day when you wake up and you have life it's a miracle. I wonder if we consider what God has given us to be that. You know, life moves so quickly and we see things that are happening around us. And one of the things that I have to remind myself every day is that we do not belong to ourselves. We are here to fulfill the purpose of our Father while we're on this earth. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to serve Him. I don't want to miss my call to, to function. And, you know, I, I really know that we, we, we absolutely have to put on the, the lenses of viewing what we have in our life right now as crucial to what the kingdom is, is, is accomplishing. And we have to submit ourselves. Yeah, there are a lot of factors drawing for our attention. Lots of things. And my, they can be overwhelming, can't they? But God, His will and His purpose is the most important thing. You know, you see Jesus in the Scriptures. He fellowshiped at the homes of people. Uh, he he uh, enjoyed time away personally. He enjoyed time with his disciples. And he, he was very selective with what he did and what he did, not, did not do. But in the midst of all of it, he would say, I must be about my father's business. He was on a limited time frame. You think from the time he began to minister, a little over three years was all he had. And, but, but he still found time to do certain things. He didn't please most people who wanted him to do this or to do that. But he, he, he accomplished the will of the Father. And this is what we must keep before us. We can't allow anything to supersede or circumvent what our eternal calling is. And it goes back to what I mentioned in a sermon two weeks ago about being a pure in heart. We, we can't let anything grab the wheel of our life and um, take us on the course that it wants us to go on. We must remain katharos, which is open to the flow of what God is requiring. Because if we're not doing that, we're, we're, we're going to miss God, and, and we can't afford to do that. The stakes are too high. You know, it, it's not, when I say that, I say that from my personal viewpoint, but I also see it in, in the midst of the fray, in the midst of the theater of operation. 
you see the enemy moving so deliberately. As we said at the beginning of the year, uh, you could sense a, a flow of the enemy that was just beyond devious. It was corrupting. It, was co it, it could be controlling. And I remember saying that about the time when we had to go, um, we had to go more um, from simply the standpoint of the internet in ministry. When we began to broadcast instead of being able to meet in person. And I remember the first times I felt that influence, it it really, it, it was usually before a point of ministry. Uh, <laughs> I was overwhelmed by the tactic of the enemy and but quickly rebounded, but the enemy was trying to push every button he could. We're seeing that thing played out and manifested across our nation and world. We don't fear it. But we must be absolutely devoted to, um, to what God is asking us to be and to do. And we must do it with all our might. That doesn't mean to the exclusion of other things. But, you know, this time where so many of our, of our network are kind of out of the normal pattern... You know, you, your whole your whole framework of what you had brought before the Lord to be and to do, coming to pray, doing this, doing, doing that. <clears throat> in so many ways, that in so many people, that's been disrupted, and other things are right there in your in your face. Family who's working from home or or whatever they may be doing, not working not working in at home, not in school, at home. Those factors can weigh upon you. It's almost like back in the day when you first committed to pray, some of you were opposed by extended family. What are you doing that for? This doesn't make any sense. It has no bearing to me. I don't understand it. You're crazy. You're off. Now it's just a, it's a different kind of a manifestation of that, and we have to we have to war, not with people, but within ourselves to preserve the duties and the responsibilities that we have. You know, I I wonder if that's not one of the reasons why God has been using us so much more in the odd hours. I've enjoyed just being alone with God at like five in the morning there at my house. Just to sit there in the dark and to pray and listen. Now, I've prayed in many times during the night over the years, but so I'm not suddenly becoming aware of the vitality of that. I'm talking about something that's different. The way that the Father is communing with us. And we have to we have to be sensitive to that. And I guess every person's different, obviously. But you're gonna to have to make an account in your own life.
as to where you are and as to are you the intercessor you were and if not why not are you spending time with God the way you know he's called you to no matter what goes on that responsibility and privilege is not going to go away you know the spirit is not quarantined because of covid and you you can pray and you can seek god and you need to be doing that i i was i you know when when i preach on sundays or whenever it is it would be really easy for me to cherry pick all the things that are going on in our nation that are just wacky. And I say again, like I said on Sunday morning, if I have to if I have to be the cheerleader that stokes you up to make you aware that there are some wicked things being done in the nation, we need to lay hands on you for other reasons. My job is not to be a cheerleader. My job is not to have a political rally every time we we gather my job is what it always has been that we've got to deliver what the word of god is saying because this is fueling for the saints some of you may not have accepted the true calling of the saints maybe you're a friend of the program maybe maybe you consider yourself a support arm and that's great that's wonderful. But if, if, if I can preach the Word of God, and it's very clear, and I know sometimes I can get really out there, but if you can see the Scripture over and over again, and it doesn't appeal to you in some way, that should alarm you. And people say, you gotta be got to be simple. I'm just a simple folk. Well... You know, I don't know what to say about that because you aren't simple in other ways. Some people that say, I'm just simple, it's got to be, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. You deal with technical issues. Some of you who are simple have built buildings and managed entire construction projects. Some of you who need to have so things so simple are active on the internet doing different uh, things that are really, really involved. So somehow you're simple with the things of the Lord, but you don't play that corn pone card when it comes to things that you have to do in the natural world. I don't understand that. I've never understood that. I think to some degree it's it's an out or it's a dodge. Now, granted, everybody prays differently. Uh, I I tried to be an intercessor and answer the call. But I've recognized that there are some people in who have, who have been in my church and some people that I've encountered in my travels who have intercessory skills that are just mighty man-like. And I marvel at their ability to bull rush in the spirit realm with gusto bull rush with gusto that's a good title for a book brother brother burke overcoming the bull rush with gusto um but you know 
yet I can't compare myself to them. I have to press through and break in just like you do. I come into an empty sanctuary. There's not 15 people going off in divers' tongues, preparing a, a, a glorified atmosphere. I have to find the Lord. When I meet with God early in the morning at my house, you know, the other occupants in my place aren't playing Will Reagan and laying on the floor, or dare I say Bethel. Uh, you know, I, I have to find the Lord, and you do too. Yeah, we said that early on when people would come here for seminars and then they'd go back and they'd be alone and they'd say, boy, I sure do miss the sanctuary. I understand that. Well, I'm here in the sanctuary. Usually there's nobody here with me, usually. I still have to find God. And you know what? Here's another weird thing. Since I've been really over the years not as faithful as I should be, I admit, because it's easy out for me to come here to pray, to the sanctuary. But since I've been pressing in at the house and developing access points, I sense the presence of the God of our Father in such a rich and wonderful way. In some ways, it's very different, but it's still Him. But in other ways... It's, it's equally as powerful as what I sense when I'm here at the sanctuary. So, as long as we have God, that's... Now, if you were saying, oh, you know what? I just can't find God where I am. <laughs> Who would say that? Who would say that? You're the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Gee whiz, if I was back in Jerusalem again at the temple where, where Anna's praying, ooh, I could find God, but out here in this wilderness, I can't find him. Well, how in the world is God ever going to get anything done then with that friend of the bridegroom assignment we have? If you can't find him out there, where, which is where he says you prepare the way of the Lord, then we got trouble right here in Desert City. So, I'm just rambling. Go back to Rush Limbaugh. I don't know really where he stands with the Lord, but we need to pray for him. I also heard this morning that Jeff Bridges, a well-known actor, he's 70 years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. And, you know, I don't know where he is with God. I mean, I, I liked him in the remake of True Grit and several other films. But it would be great to see that guy be free and to know that that freedom came through Jesus. What he does with it is up to him. I don't know when God's going to start doing that. But what I do know is this. You do read in the book of Revelation about when God is moving. It's just like during Jesus' days. When God is moving through the witnesses or the saints, there's going to be a big portion of the world that's not having any of it. It doesn't like it. And in fact, it infuriates them. It's kind of like when Jesus ministered and he healed someone or set somebody free, there was a significant portion of the people who were furious with that, and they told him so. So, what's going to happen as the darkness and the gross darkness is moving upon the earth, and God's light shines upon you? What's that going to be like? I think we really need to take a candid look at it. 
because, you know, I see God working a lot of miracles in our country, and I see a lot of people who are just furious about it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm astounded. So, anyway, I was thinking about what God was sharing this past Sunday about that, that, that form of meditation, the Haggah. And there are other words in the New Testament and in the Old that's, that are translated as meditation, and they're, they're used as to contemplate, to think about, to, to really ruminate upon a thing. But this word stands alone in the fact that it, you think about it, you're, you're, you're meditating on your bed it, during the day and at night, you're meditating with this Haggah, which is a mournful reflection, or uh, which better said a solemn reflection. And you see that the growl of, anim, of predator animals and the sigh of the deep sigh of a dove is is uh, is is described by the use of this word and then you see that in Joshua 1 8 and in Psalm 1 1 at the very beginnings of of Joshua's individual ministry and David's rule as king that he says you have to learn to meditate in this way in the law so that you have good success, you can move in courage, so that you can be like a tree planted by the rivers of, of living water. Um, I I'm um, I'm just I'm just amazed that God has chosen to bring this to us now because it it really has been it really has been a time where God's been working that in us. How many times over the past months have I said and heard others said that God is delving deep within us and refining and perfecting and commiserating with us and bringing up things from the past that aren't necessarily sin, but he wants to review what happened from a distant perspective and what what really God did there and maybe how we should learn to, to, to embrace those moments maybe in a different way than we did just to survive back then. And, and we said that people in the world, all humans have a capacity to function in this way. Most, most of the world functions in this way according to the flesh, according to life. Many, according to the scripture, function in this to produce wickedness and deceit and other things that are perverse. And you you feel that, don't you? I I try I'm not trying to be one sided politically here, but I remember in 2016, just for instance, 
at the, the results of the, of the last presidential election, people were taking cameras, video cameras out into the streets and videoing the responses of people whose candidate didn't win. I remember seeing one lady, she just howled in anguish and despair. Now, some people just do that because they're kind of um, imbalanced. I don't mean to, I don't mean to belittle them. It's just the way it is. But so many people just suddenly they were having to deal with a scenario that in their mind was unacceptable to them. And from the depths of who they were, I believe from this Haggah place, they responded. Chances are they've been, they, they were dealing with that place all along when they were trying to put together political strategies to achieve this or that. Some, I won't go into them, but we all know that there are a lot of strategies out there that aren't necessarily biblical, that are mainstream, and people believe very seriously in them. So I think, I think for all of us, at this particular time, in this particular year, God has been working in the very deepest of places. Well, I, I say deepest. There may be even a deeper level. We don't know. The Bible says, you know, who, who can know it? Only God. But I was also thinking about the times in the New Testament when it says that, for instance, I'll just look at one where Jesus groaned. And like, for instance, he was in John 11. Um, she, uh, you, you came to this situation where Lazarus was dying and had died. And his disciples had heard about it. And they said, you know what? Lazarus is sick, sick unto death. We got to get over there. And Jesus delayed going. There's a lot of people that want you to snap to it and do whatever they feel that you need to be doing right now. And you got to make sure you're following the Lord. I think that's a lesson there. And Mary comes to him, John 11, verse 31. And she, um, she's, she, she was going to weep at the, at the tomb, at the grave. And she saw Jesus and she fell down and said, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was, was troubled. And that troubled means to stir and to agitate. Um, that groaning is an interesting word because it means to... Well, you can you can look at it. I'm just looking at it right now. Embromiomai. That sounds like a groan, doesn't it? Embromiomai. Uh, N is in and brime is strength. Um, it, it's rendered as groan, which which means, you know, he uh, he was expressing from a position of strength. That you know he had the combination of circumstances. He had people that he loved who were hurting. He had his friend, Lazarus, who had died and suffered through whatever pain he'd suffered through. He had these 
yahoos that were there that were just in it for the morning and there are people like that oh my gosh some people just thrive on death and despair it's it, i've never i've never understood that uh, there, uh one particular time there was a very difficult situation in our church with a beautiful young lady who was sick and she was dying and Somehow this one woman was involved in the midst, and every time she'd come around, it was like the entire atmosphere changed. Like she had an anointing for despair. I, I It's probably not. There's no anointing for despair. It was a twisted gifting of some sort. But she sure drank it up, and she infected people with it. And it just kind of is unsettling. You can see why... Peter and the Lord in other instances put everybody out of the room and got them out of there because, you know, it's like it's almost like dueling banjos. I mean, you've got this craziness going on there and it's just milking the emotions of people. It's like when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the, the, the man was there with his little boy and it was his only son and the little boy was demonized and all those people were just eating up the moment they're watching and they're ridiculing the nine disciples who were down there who there who couldn't do anything uh, or, or weren't able at that time to do anything about it you just it's just irritating it's irritating and i can see how jesus would be agitated oh, jesus never would be my jesus doesn't get agitated well what what does this say then you give a definition for it I believe Jesus, he had to be agitated in a number of places when he was walking on the earth, but yet without sin. So he groans in his spirit from a point of strength. I wonder if this is not the place that we're talking about here. Um, there was a time in, in Mark... Um, Jesus dealt with this a number of times. Um, he, he, it's hard for us to imagine that he would would deal with this in this way, but he had that point of strength, and um, it, it it it's a place from which in the New Testament from which murmuring comes. Um, when when the disciples were complaining about the woman with the alabaster box they spoke out of that place um, it's 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 just a, it's an astounding thing how many times this scripture this word is used and, and we just don't you know we just don't see it um, I uh, and in verse 38 Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, came to the grave twice there he groaned from that point of, of that, that point of strength and it's not it's not grieving it, it's it's really not and you know in Matthew 9 when um, uh, Jesus touched the eyes the blind men, uh, Jesus asked her, you, you believe that I'm able to do it? And he touched their eyes, and according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them. There's that same word, 
saying, see that no man knows it, um, that was that was a measure of restraint. I'm not going to preach on this. I mean, I, I, I'm going to write about it. But all of these factors are there, and I believe they direct, directly link with this measure of meditation that's in the Old Testament. It's supposed to be a point of strength for us. It's supposed to be um, a point of strength. And he said the same thing to a leper in Mark 1. And the leprosy departed, and Jesus straightly charged him and sent him away. Um, uh, the point of strength is also a point of great discipline. And um, I, I feel like we need to... Now, what, now whether, whether in the New Testament where it says groanings which cannot be uttered, you know, the Bible does say that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray our spirit prays. <clears throat> now, I'm sure that this place of strength has to be enjoined with the deposit of the Spirit of God within us. Because if the Spirit is praying with groanings, which are in, unutter, inutterable, um, then you would think that the other times where Jesus was expressing from a point of strength within him, that, that it would have to be a very similar a similar type of uh, of expression from a place that is is being developed in us by God. So you know, in Romans eight, spirit also helps our infirmities, the asthenias, and we don't know how we should pray as we ought, but the spirit makes intercession for us. Uh, with groanings. It's something that's on the spot. And here, again, is, um, is a word that is, is very, very powerful. Here, the, the groaning is stenagmos, and to be in straits, or to be very narrow, or to be very directed. And that, that's the essence of travail. That's, that's the essence of being focused toward a specific thing. You know, when a woman is birthing a baby by natural means, there's not a whole else on her mind. Rather, maybe, maybe some things she wants to say to her husband or asking the doctors to get a move on or to give her something to block the pain. That may be on her mind too, but the objective is to get through this process healthily successfully but to get it get it done and that's a narrow direction so i think i think the issue of groaning from a place of strength is um is something that you you have to regulate and you have to make sure because Again, if if you're undisciplined, if you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and any time a challenge comes, the first thing out of your mouth is, God, why are you letting this happen? I just don't understand. 
I've known others like that, and I, I love them, but it doesn't really help at that time to start the doubt game with God. And if that's the first response, she, you better, yeah, it's funny because we talk a lot about today about first responders. People that are you know, paramedics or people that are emergency room individuals or wherever they may be on the front lines of testing in this pandemic, the first responders. I'm glad those first responders aren't as ineffective or extreme as some of our first responses when challenges come. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be odd? Is some poor person pulls up to emergency room and uh, they walk in and they're socially distanced and they go up to the counter and they say, you know, I am having this issue, and that person just goes, Wah! and goes running out, God, I don't know why you let this happen to this person. Yeah. If that was the first response when you went to some place like that, God forbid you have to go. We wouldn't want to go there. That's not a very good first response. <laughs> you go see the doctor. Doctor, you know what I'm thinking? What? I can't believe it. You're such a good person. You always pay your bills on time. I know you go to church. I don't understand why it's happening. How's that for a first response? But yet when challenging times come, it's going to hit this depth point of strength in us. And that's why we need to, we need to meditate on the Word. Not do away with it, not deconstruct it, not parse it out and toss it away, not add a bunch of other things or take away. God says there's judgment for those of you who do that. But we need to, we need to get down to brass tacks with what, um, what the Word says. And I'm so grateful that over the years God has kept us in His Word. And I pray that if uh, the many things that I may have missed, or I'm sure I've missed a lot, that that God would quickly bring those things to our understanding. But you you've got to meditate. On the word, and you've got to you've got to let God deal with you in the day and in the night, to develop that point of strength, that core strength. And then, when like Jesus, you come to a scenario where people are needing to be free, or you've you've got the call to come, and the Spirit is saying, "No, it's not yet time," and it looks like you've missed it, but yet you're being directed by the Heavenly Father from that deep place within you. That had to be the first use of this place of strength. When Jesus' friend was dying and he knew that that man was suffering and his sisters whom he loved were grieving, that, that had to be the first place of this point of strength. See, Jesus, doesn't, Jesus didn't just sit around with a Mona Lisa grin on his face, cocking his head back, shaking his head, yeah, I know, I know. No, he was at all points tempted like us. And um, so he comes and he sees those mourners, and he sees Mary weeping, and uh, Martha's there, she's struggling. And he goes and 
he groans in his spirit. He comes to the tomb, tomb and he groans again from a point of strength, from a place of strength. We better make sure that place isn't flabby. We better make sure that that place is focused. And only God, it seems, can develop it. Sadly, just studying the Word is not going to develop that. Otherwise, it would just, Joshua and David would have said, um, the word of the law shall not depart on your mouth. You better study it all the time. No, it uses this word. I, I believe that God is doing that work within us. And we need to recognize it and allow him to do it because we're going to need to rely on it. You know, I mentioned the raising from the dead and I mentioned the healing of the lepers and the healing of the blind men and, and other instances where this word is used to describe Jesus. That means that he was using definitive discretion and the leading of the Spirit as to who he touched and when he touched them. We need to see that too. Because if it was just a matter of the anointing, if it was just a matter of him being the Son of God, if it was just a matter of uh, him wanting to show uh, that God had power, if it was just a matter of him wanting to showcase the validity of his teaching, and those are all great factors, it would have said that. But here this strange term is used for the place of strength from the innermost person. And that can only be developed by having these solemn reflections of the Lord and basing all of it from the Scripture. And man, oh man, there's so much more we can say about this. But it really is an issue that I believe God is developing in us because we, in the days we're coming in to these types of challenges are all around us. And we've got to be very careful in how we represent our Father. And when we take a step forward in His timing, to believe for an intervention of his power. That can only come from that point of strength deep within us. Now you say, well, couldn't God just give us a directive? You know, like when Jesus, when Jesus was driven by the Spirit, ekbalo, thrown by the Spirit into the wilderness to be uh, tempted of the devil... Yeah, we've all had those kinds of things, and it may be uncomfortable, but we're there. Pshee! We Nobody asks us, hey, okay, get ready now. I'm about to throw you into the wilderness. No, you know, I've had times like that where I think, man, there's no warning about this. This is just, okay, one, two, three, and in the pool you go. God does those kinds of things. There's sometimes when the Spirit of the Lord will reveal a word of 
direction and you're led by the Spirit or you're guided by the Spirit. Those are all wonderful things. But it's not the only way God moves. In order to really be that person who stands at the tomb of Lazarus and deals with disciples and friends that don't understand why you're doing this or not doing that or you're being watched and looked upon by people that are really enjoying the, the despair of the moment and really don't like you being there. You gotta, you gotta be, you're already there. You're already there. And I wonder, I wonder, I'm not trying to stretch this too much, but Jesus' first miracle, when they're at the wedding in Cana, and he had had deliberations, as only siblings can provide. And one of his brothers says, you know what, why don't you go and present yourself? You know, you you're, you're telling us things. We don't know what all he was telling them, but you are this miracle man. And, you know, why don't you go present yourself and come on up to the wedding and do it? And Jesus said, I'm not going. And then he shows up. He didn't lie. I think there's some leeway in the, in the text that says, I'm, I'm not going to go along with what you're saying. A lot of times people want you to do the right thing, but it's at the wrong timing. But when Jesus comes and then he's there at the meal and they'd already, obviously already been through a good portion of the festivities because they come to the, to the ending points of the feast and Mary says, we're out of wine. Now, obviously been a lot of drinking and eating up to that point. Why don't you go and do something about it and Jesus said my hours woman what have I to do with you you know he he was searching that strong point to find out okay here's a scenario there's a need my mother the blessed virgin is asking for me to do this I've already been having sword play with my siblings in uh, in debate and somehow he had to reach down within but even his comments were in this first miracle would indicate that he wasn't just going to do something because it was there to do and that doesn't use this groaning word even though I'm thinking you know, I've had to deal with siblings and people that want me to do things. I mean, I may not have been groaning on the outside, but that wooden Indian inside was rumbling. I think we, we really need to see what this point of preparation is about. That God is um, God's really trying to develop a keen dimension of what he made us to be. Deep within us, a point of strength. And we will rely upon that point of strength. Maybe it's functioned to this point. Maybe it, maybe it has. But I know we've been through a lot of difficult scenarios in the years. Thank God we've been through them. But whatever's coming, God is pinpointing this. And I said I wasn't going to teach on it. I, 
I don't know what I've been doing here for the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Maybe I have been teaching on it. Maybe I will teach on it again. I don't know. But for this unique crowd of saints, maybe crowd, boy, that's ambitious. For this handful of folks that are listening to this broadcast, I release this to you. I pray that God will have his perfect work within you. There's something to do with patience here. Something to do with hearing the timing of the Lord and not getting ahead of him or not being apart from him, just going in your own opinion, but being absolutely spot on. This is what God wants, and this is how we're going to move. Well, there's not a whole lot of chit-chat today. I'm sorry about that. But we still have seven minutes left. So let's let's commence to chatting. I was going to say the other word, but it sounds too much like other things, and I don't want to get you all stirred up. Did he just say that? Tomorrow is going to be Wednesday Night Live. And as of this point, I have no idea what the Father is going to want us to share, but... I'm kind of looking forward to that time of study. So I invite you to to tune in. The next couple of weekends, we're going to be here in Dallas praying urgently for our country. And, you know, two weeks from now, two weeks from Sunday, we'll be praying in in the, the place where Hundreds of people are going to be coming through to vote. Um, And that's always a very privileged moment for us. The uh, election judge told Ruby and I that this year they have 10 assistants that have been hired. Normally they have three. So it's tripled. They're expecting a a tremendous outpouring of, of people voting. And I know a good portion of them are representing a, a, uh, an ideology that I don't, as a Christian, believe in. But be that as it may, we bless them and we're praying for God to accomplish his will. And so I don't know when something will be sent to you, but we would certainly invite. Maybe it'll just be Sunday morning we'll announce and say, hey, uh, this is what we're going to be praying about tonight, and we'd love for you to join us. But strange times. Fun times, though, isn't it? I, I can remember back when Jimmy Carter was running uh, for his second term, and the, um, the Iranians were still holding hostages over in Tehran, and gasoline prices had shot up across the country and 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 there were a lot of gasoline shortages because at that point America was not in any way energy independent and the whole uh, the whole gulf was in turmoil with oil being uh, restricted in its flow that was a strange time once again toilet paper was 
in short supply in the grocery shelves. I wonder why the scripture doesn't mention in book of Revelation about shortage of toilet paper, because you know with all that stuff going on, some of the people that are going to be raising their hands and cursing God, it's going to be because they can't find Charmin in the books in the in the store shelves. Seems like any any challenge time, no matter what it is, crisis wise, toilet paper is the first thing that people, toilet paper and gasoline, those two things. And so, um, but I I remember that I remember that election and Reagan was was just a champion for the moment. And that, those were challenging times, but it was us against the proverbial them at that point. You remember when 9-11 hit and it was us against them, some extraneous force that was attacking us. I know there have always been differences of opinions in our country. I remember studying in the 30s where... Um, there were a lot of communist party activities in the political realm, and there were massive, it was during the days of the, oppre the oppression, the depression, and the communist party was really vying for a stake in America. But we were all Americans at that point. We were all suffering through the depression. The elections during World War II those were big. But I don't ever remember a time where it was us against us. That's what this election is. And that's alarming. And what's the next one going to be like? What's going to happen either way when, if President Trump is reelected or if Joe Biden is elected? Either way, the days following that are going to be interesting times to live in. We've, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready. Now, I'm believing that God's given us as saints a window. We need to work for the night is coming, and we need to remember that. We said that four years ago, and now it's ever more clear. The enemy wants this window shut, and he's... He's trying every way he can to prohibit us from fulfilling what God wants us to do in this season. And I believe that God's timetable is resolute. And it's, it's, it's what we're praying in conjunction with right now, that the enemy will not be able to change the times. But in it all, the days of us just going about our lives... Um, knowing that everything's just going to work out peachy keeny and Main Street. Those days, I won't say they're over, but they are drastically revised. So we've got to let God do this work in us. And um, if you've not heard Sunday's past Sunday's sermon, you need to listen to it. And I don't know what we'll speak on tomorrow. God will tell me about that later tonight, probably or tomorrow morning early. But just remember that from here in Dallas, we're praying for you. And we're, we're, we're in this together. We love you all. And don't give up. Um, don't, don't despair. God is with you, but let him do his perfect work. 
So tomorrow, see you Wednesday night live. Um, keep trusting in the blood of Jesus. And we'll look forward to spending that time together then. Till Wednesday night live. God bless. Talk to you soon.